Hey everyone, welcome back to One Shot at a Time, a D&D podcast where we take a random prompt and turn it into a one-shot adventure. I'm your forever DM, Daniel Locke. And I'm Andrew. He's Andrew. Yep, yep, welcome back, Andrew, for our special first episode of the new year. You excited? Uh, I mean, any year after 21 just, you know, just feels the same. <laughs> yeah, it's a probably a big positive change post-COVID. <laughs> Technically recording this before New Year's, so I can't really ask you about your New Year's party, but uh, how was your Christmas? Not bad. That's pretty good. Uh, just spent time with my family, spent time with my wife's family, just chilling. Get any cool gifts or anything? Uh, Let's see here. I finally got an RO system for my house, so now I gotta install that today. Not looking forward to that, but at the same time I am. How about you? Anything cool? Oh, man. I did, but uh, fucking adult life, man. It's just like, <laughs> oh, man, I'm over 30. I have a house. You know what Christmas gift I got? Freaking water uh, water system, hey, water filter you know system. What? That's that's actually perfect because, like, RO systems aren't cheap either. <laughs> They're, they definitely aren't, but it's really funny to think, like, man, my best Christmas gift, I got clean water now in Arizona, which is also weirdly a morbid thought to think about. It's like... My water could be cleaner, and that's just how life is. We just don't get the cleanest water possible. It's just the convenience factor, Daniel. I mean, like, imagine. These are all first world problems here. (laughs) Ah, fair. So, wait, like, did you get, like, the big, like, gallon RO system, or is it, oh, okay. Jeez, that's gonna be, that's big. Is it from Costco? Is it the Costco RO system? Because that one's pretty nice. Probably? I don't know. Like I said, this was gift. I didn't didn't ask too many questions. Should (laughs) I have? (laughs) What do you know that I don't? <laughs> I mean, there's different RO systems that exist, and I would love to go into more detail about it, but maybe we'll talk about that afterwards. I'm not sure if our listeners care to listen about, oh, yeah, my house has this new addition to it, and I'm working on my water software next. Hey, for new, for new homers out there, you know, this could be a very valuable lesson. Okay. <laughs> and that's very true. Honestly, if you live in Arizona like we do, water is hard as fuck, and you definitely need a water software and a RO system. Or you are putting literal, no, I don't want to say literal poison in your body, because maybe that's a bit excessive. Yeah. But the water will damage your shit pretty quickly, which sucks. But yeah, that's nice. You got a nice little RO system. Uh, I guess like what I got for Christmas is, let me think. Oh, okay. So I got a Eevee uh, onesie, oh. because that's my favorite Pokemon as well. So that's really that's really cute. So I got an Eevee onesie, and then my girlfriend Tara got a Psyduck onesie. So we got like two Pokemon onesies that we can wear at cons now, which will be really cute. I also got like a really cool gift from my girlfriend, which is this Chowder hat. Oh, so cool. if you anyone's yeah, for anyone who's seen that cartoon Chowder on Cartoon Network like years ago, Tara got me a hand knit custom made hat, and I was like cool. And I like started squeezing the top of the hat because it kind of looks like a little like triangle shape and they have like the stuffing in it and at first i was like oh these feel like boobs (laughs) (laughs) nice nice but yeah i got some pretty cool swag wait wait, so did tara get the psyduck because that's her favorite pokemon yeah tara got a psyduck onesie because that was their favorite pokemon i also got tara like one of those like giant pokemon plushes psyduck from the pokemon center okay okay it is massive it is it is like a small child (laughs) Like, I'd probably get freaked out at night if I saw it, like, just sitting there on the couch, because it's so big, yeah. Okay, okay. (laughs) I'll have to show it to you next time you come over. It's it's wild. I've just been putting weird stuff on it, like random hats. Like the chowder hat? Yeah, the chowder hat, (laughs) Santa hats, wrapping it in scarves, putting it in its own skin. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, I mean, that was my holiday, so that was cool. But today, we're not talking about holidays. That's not our prompt. Since we're coming into the new year, we decided that we do tackle a... Oh, man, I guess this is like a 90s kids thing, but for any of you, do you guys remember Y2K? The apocalypse is now. Yeah, the apocalypse is now kind of thing. For us, I think we were like seven or eight years old when that happened, but that was like a big thing around the 2000s. Everyone thought like the world was going to end, and I remember my mom actually being somewhat freaked out. She's like, oh, do we need to get like canned foods and stuff, or like, do we need to make sure we have enough water in the house in case like all power stops? Well, here, here's here's the thing, Daniel. I think everyone here understands the uh, the rush from back with early COVID. Oh yeah, I guess that is <laughs> the same. Okay, but to be fair, COVID was actually real, and Y two K was just a scare. It is like the equivalent of like a 
Redditor post that went viral. Okay, that's fair. But what ha- what would have happened if the airplane just suddenly started all crashing right when it hit midnight? Probably be like Fallout 3, but in real life, <laughs> I assume. I don't know. Well, actually, that's not true. Fallout 3 is like placed in like the 20s, but... Oh, man. Imagine like a 90s version of Fallout 3. How weird that would be. A 90s version of Fallout 3. How would it be different? I mean, <laughs> I think people would have like the retro level of things like instead of like people listening to like old elvis music or oh so you're just like, saying the music would be different then instead yeah, the of cultural listening to change. elvis i'd be listening to like wop yeah exactly like <laughs> well i guess yeah wop okay. probably hasn't come out yet but yeah it's like wop yeah or R like kelly. back in sync or R- oh, yeah, exactly <laughs> r kelly backstreet boys in sync stuff like that okay okay so you're saying essentially i would still have to be fighting off mutant rats but listening to I want it that way. <laughs> and then, like, your clothes, everyone would have, like, frosted tips because there'd be, like, a cult of sync. Or, uh, man, I'm trying to remember, like, what was popular back in the 90s. Everyone was eating gushers and their heads are changing into giant fruit, maybe. I don't know. Something along those lines. And then, instead of a dog, all you do, you have a Tamagotchi. <laughs> Honestly, this sounds like a pretty... <laughs> This sounds like a pretty baller setting for a video for a one shot. I think maybe we'll play with that. Like, are you interested in working with this? That's fine. Okay, cool, cool, cool. So, what other things do you remember from the '90s that could be implemented into a D and D one shot adventure, along with the Y two K that maybe exists? So, I I guess the question is is like, are we setting the adventuring party to exist after Y two K already happened? Like, it did happen. Or are we setting it for, like, they're about to happen and they're scared that they're trying to prevent it? I think it's easier that way because it's easier to provide, uh, like, encounters that way because people are, are going to either be focusing on themselves or, like, you have a lot more NPCs that are just, like, that's why they're retaliating. Like, because I'm trying to think, okay, so this is, like, a post-apocalypse setting, essentially, similar to, like, a Fallout. Like, it doesn't have to have be in the modern world either. Like, we True. could just incorporate that as, like, gags if we really yeah. want to. But it could just be, like, your fantasy world. Like, maybe you have, like, a high fantasy magic setting. And then suddenly, EMP, no more magic for, like, a year. And everyone's, like, trying to get used to that. And then they're trying to harvest magic. There's, like, very little magic around. I guess, in a way, D&D is already in a post-apocalyptic world. Because you live in high fantasy, middle ages which would suck. <laughs> yeah, that would suck for sure. Uh, yeah, I, I, I prefer my comfy life right now compared to uh, having to struggle every day, searching for food and supplies. Oh, speaking of, like the other day I was at my, where my girlfriend's uh, family's place and they asked me, would you rather be filthy rich 400 years ago or be middle class today that depends what is where where am i 400 years ago am i still like here or am i like in asia because you know being asian 400 years ago probably you know it's not that's you know it wasn't the best time you know yeah exactly so i'm not gonna get shot by an indian okay for sure (laughs) For sure. Like, and what is rich even equivalent to at that point? You don't have internet. So it's just like, I had the same it's thought. Four process. chickens. Like, I'd rather, <laughs> exactly, four chickens and maybe like a lot of land that nobody cares about at this point in time because nobody is doing any construction or real estate business. Yeah, that was my same thought process. So I was like, no, I'd rather be middle class now. Hell, I'd probably rather be poor now than back then. So are we going to incorporate a hierarchy? Is that where we're going with this? <laughs> a hierarchy into this system or into this one-shot adventure? Yeah. I guess we could. Um, what were you thinking about? I have no idea. That that was like a, just because of the fact you brought that up and I was like, okay, okay. So if we're talking about like a rich, like someone that's maybe like rich compared to someone that's poor, you know, someone, something along those lines or you're, or you're starting off for being a poor person and then eventually it's going to go to having to like go into a very rich or executive's property to to steal shit or or something because they have they they've now like accumulated all said resources in that area just because they're okay i do like that so um the idea is that maybe 
after this apocalypse world has occurred, after the Y2K, essentially, one of the local uh, leaders in the area of this apocalypse world has accumulated all the wealth, and you're trying to possibly... I mean, he has all the food, right? Like, that's probably wealth yeah. after the apocalypse. It's like just having supplies. So maybe you're trying to stick it to him and steal all his supplies or maybe get some of his supplies to share with some local townsfolk. A more Robin Hood-esque story. Oh, okay. Give Steal from the rich, give to the poor. Okay, okay. I think that's something, like, the players could get behind, right? It's a very solid, like, good guy storyline. And... And that gives good motivation for them. Exactly. It sets like simple motivations for a one-shot adventure where it's like, hey, we have this corrupt being. I guess in this world, there's it's like kind of like a gray line where it's like, it's not really corruption because corruption doesn't exist anymore. It's just that he has a lot of stuff and he's not willing to share. So fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. We have our adventuring party, which will be just like a D&D class. And their hook is that someone has accumulated all of the local resources maybe they have like a huge storage bank of food so in this case i guess does this person did they just hire a bunch of people to help guard their shit or did they just do this all by themselves that's what i'm thinking because i'm thinking about like old 2000 technology like 90s technology like i don't think they have like turrets or something maybe they just have a lot of guns okay yeah i mean that works a lot of guns or or they've accumulated all the magic items in that area and that's how they're using it. Yeah, I'm trying to think how else we can incorporate this person having a def- a defendable location and make it like a puzzle for the players to have to solve. Because obviously if we're staying in like a high fantasy route and then they got EMP'd, they got Y2K'd essentially, and now there's no magic or there's very little magic, how are they powering all their systems? Like how is the methodology working here? That's probably not the right word, but... Okay, so so you're saying that this guy's house or property is the only place that actually has power. Everywhere else is like no lights, no nothing. But you see across the way at the middle of the night, that's the only sp- that's the only place that you can see like actual light coming out of. Is that what you're trying to think? Of? Yeah, kind of. Like, have you seen that episode of Rick and Morty where they do like a parody of that really crappy horror movie about people just killing each other? I forgot what the name of it was it. No, no, I have not. But keep going, keep going. Maybe maybe we can... Uh... Oh, Purge. Okay, that's the movie. Okay. Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, Rick and Morty did an episode called The Purge. Or, like, they did a parody off of The Purge. And essentially the idea is that, like, people kept killing each other, and then all the rich folks on their, like, happy little hill is just like, oh, yeah, we're living it up because fuck you, poor people. And I'm not saying, like, people are just killing each I guess they are killing each other in this scenario. True, but I mean, I guess the whole point of the purge was to prevent for additional crimes throughout the year. Like, well, at least per like the original story of the purge, you know. Yeah. So like, exactly. If I mean, that's not really like said apocalyptic in a way, in a sense. They like the government enacted that in order to help control uh, people's desires to a single day. Yeah. So that was the premise of the first movie. But as, like, their sequels came out and they kept, like, going, like, they went to the point where the reason the Purge exists was actually, like, the corrupt upper government officials were wanting people to go out and just, like, kill the homeless people to, like, essentially lower the amount of homeless and stuff around instead of just, like, exacting, like, vendettas and it just went wrong. (laughs) Essentially just, like, yeah, that was, like, I think that was, like, the plotline of, like, later Purge movies and why the government enacted it and who the i think the particular politician who uh put in this uh, policy and that was a reason and they're like you guys fucked it up we were just supposed to get rid of the poor what are you guys doing stop killing each other i'm not gonna lie i think i've only seen the first one <laughs> i've never seen any i've just read the wiki articles because that's how uh, i roll well fair but yeah i've only watched the first one so maybe i'll have to go read the other purge ones to, to see what the rest of the story i mean it kind of makes sense that well how the, else are they gonna make like fucking like six sequels exactly right so maybe we can have a similar scenario because like post-apocalypse uh story settings tend to have people being very like dark and murder hobo-y against each other which is like a i guess like a great way to enact any additional encounters if you needed that and then with the setting of the world already being destroyed, 
and the fact that we need to essentially gather resources like your goal like you could even set it like if you really wanted to for the hook of the characters if you wanted them not to just be the good guys it could just be like you need resources to survive and you know that on this house there is food water and guns lots of guns (laughs) nice matrix callback love me some matrix (laughs) love me some neo and keanu reeves he rides a motorcycle and does kung fu okay so that if we're gonna go uh along with that plus like uh like a fallout type of or uh issue kind of thing are we gonna do like they need to like be maybe like a serum that they constantly have to do just because of maybe potential radiation in there okay or are they just kind of constantly take damage because of it i think that's another way to go about it yeah like maybe like if we're approaching it like there's some kind of like magic poisoning and in order for you to survive in this world you have to constantly be dosing yourself i think that's a possibility to add on for character motivation although at this point i think there's like enough reasoning for why your characters are motivated to go and attack the house i think that third one is just like an addition that if you wanted to have like a different reason than just oh you're starving (laughs) no you're fine i'm just trying to think of uh additional plot points that we can use if needed but uh yeah no that sounds like well um i want to say on that one really quickly because i'm curious like because there's not a lot of magic we could use that as a reason for why certain people can still cast spells because i don't think we want to gatekeep like caster castes from being able to play the game right so maybe that when they use these serums like like a bioshock injectable essentially and it allows them to cast magic. That's their that's their spell yeah. That's slots. their spell slots. I think that would be a great way. Like, there's this m- okay. magical serum that they inject, M serum, just for laziness' sakes. And when they inject it, it restores all of their spell slots, and that's the only way they can restore spell slots. It's like a pretty big nerf for spellcaster classes, but for a one shot setting or buff, you know, because like, what if you have just excess? Uh, of these injectables and now you're replenishing all your fucking spell slots during combat you know i i went from four spell slots now to eight yeah no actually that's really true you know how many fireballs i can catch with that that is actually pretty (laughs) nuts actually yeah so i think that's actually a good new item we can include in this one shot for playtesting for people where it's just like oh this serum regenerates all of your spell slots but it only works in like the campaigns where you don't regenerate spell slots naturally. So it's like a trade-off. It's like you have the ability to regenerate whenever you want, but because of that, your resource management is even more tight because of it. Yeah, I mean, I think it makes it easy because in this post-apocalyptic world kind of thing, it's not like you have a lot of time to uh, actually rest because, you know, it's like... It's yeah, it's chaotic, chaotic tons, tons of uh, surprise encounters while you're sleeping, yeah. So how does that work for uh, non-magic classes? Like, if, what if a barb injects this? What the fuck happens? It just perma-rage? <laughs> yeah, I maybe the way the serum works is it just resets all your long rest cooldown abilities. So it's like, the serum works as a long rest, except it doesn't heal you. So like if you had like any rage abilities, it just resets the rage. Although rage does cause exhaustion, there's a yeah. whole thing there with the mechanics on it. But I think the concept of it is workable, where it just resets your abilities, essentially. And I like that. Um, it's really powerful for mages, for sure. I honestly even like it just playing into just spell slots because it really plays into the theme of the magic Y2K that exists in the fantasy world that has just happened. Okay, so then it's just a funny-ass thing if a, if a barbarian says, what happens if I do it? Nothing. And then it's a plot point later. It's like, oh, now he's growing a third magic arm. That's located between his legs. Oh, oh God. My- okay, that's not- oh, God. Oh, God. Nah. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, that's what I want to picture in my head for the rest of this morning. So we have the setting pretty well established. We know their reasoning, their their hook, and we know what their goal is, which is just to destroy this house on the hill, which has a lot of supplies, which may or may not have a rich guy in it or someone equivalent to like a rich person. I guess like if they have a lot of supplies, they're essentially just baller in an apocalypse world. Let's be honest. So to start off this adventure, players would already know that the setting and what's happening what encounters do you think we could put in place here to really drive home that this is post y2k i mean if we're gonna kind of go into that plus like the whole fallout kind of thing i mean you could always have like giant rats uh-huh. to show that they're obviously not normal oh my god thing. yeah 
uh, that just makes it, you know, the whole, it brings back for anyone that has played Fallout. Like, okay. Or, I don't know, anything mutated, I guess. But, like, I think that would work, especially with the uh, the monster manual. You could just pull out something similar to that. Yeah, giant rats are pretty common, for sure. I mean, I think giant rats just exist in the monster manual. So, I don't think that's a huge issue for any DM listening to work off of. Found it. Page 327. <laughs> okay, cool. Classic giant rat. Of course it exists. I would be surprised if it didn't. Giant rat. Okay. Uh, challenge rating one eighth. Yeah, so that'll work. You know, just have a shit ton of those. Yeah, I mean, we could probably bump the players up to, like, level five, a classic one-shot adventure, or even higher levels if we wanted to, and then they could just have an opening sequence where they just kill tons of rats. Keep this in mind, though. The higher level they are means that the more spell slots they have, and if we're doing so that this shit replenishes all spell slots, that's kind of broken. <laughs> You're right. It's pretty busted. So I think the way you kind of like tone it down is maybe only give them one of them or more of them, depending on what level they are. Like, let's say you want to take this campaign to higher levels. Like, maybe they're level 20 for some reason, which would be pretty crazy. But part of it is that, like, they are these high, powerful sorcerers, but they have no access to their magic. And I think story-wise that's like a very fun thing to role play or they start off with no oh spell true slots. true like they they have their uh, obviously prepped or depending on how what whatever class they are but you'd let them know it's like okay just fyi you can't use anything until you find one but obviously in the beginning you'll it's going to be pretty uh early on when they are able to find some something like that so that they get their spell slots, and then you introduce the the concept of of said item. Exactly, it could be like your classic tutorial level in a video game, where like, oh, the main character is getting chased. You stumble into like a chest or a dead person who drops a vial, and then you use the vial, and it gives you back your spell slots. And now you can fight. You found your magic item in the tutorial. Or yeah, or you're you're you know if you do uh, like a zero um, session, what you do is you only tell the spell uh, casters the what the benefits of the item is and you let the melee play yeah and like i said if you wanted to take this to higher levels where there's a lot more spell slots available you can tweak the m serum in a way that only give you back specific spell slots maybe it only gives you back a level three spell slot or it only gives you back a level one and that could affect how things work but they can maybe always use cantrips just to make life easier for spellcasters oh yeah well I mean that that's a given, right? I mean that's the whole point of cantrips. Exactly. Like that's the thing where like they're that's the only thing that they can consistently use because there's just enough magic to use that, but not enough to like use any of the higher level stuff. If they're higher level and they have a lot of different spell slots, one of the ways you could probably adjust the homebrew item of the M serum, which probably just takes like a bonus action to use, is that you can cater it so it only gives you back specific spell slots per level. Like maybe it's like a one level three spell slot or one level two spell slot. But cantrips would always work because cantrips are kind of like the bread and butter of caster classes and you don't want to take away too much from them so they can't do anything. That would probably give a unique like deprivation and world-related setting on why the casters have these specific items for them to use. And on top of that, maybe they can use the serum too as like an alternative power source for other items or maybe they could be used as bombs so they can cast any spells i don't oh. know i think there's some way to homebrew the item to make it a little bit more effective where there's like it's like a double-edged sword it's like yes you're playing this one shot where you're a caster and you can't use spells but in the same vein you also get like a new ability where you can cast like different class spells or whatnot so like you can use it essentially as a way for people that don't normally have spells to have like a like a grenade in a way so so non-casters if they didn't want to use i mean if they didn't want to inject it they can use it and toss it like a molotov exactly okay i'm done with that that sounds like fun yeah it could just be like a big fireball at level three or it maybe has like designated spells that you want that could randomly occur when they use it as like a grenade that way like non-spellcasters can still use it or maybe if they inject it themselves that they could get like a special magical boon that gives them like enhanced weapon attacks or something i think there's a lot of ways to play for it honestly we could probably pull a lot of inspiration from games like bioshock like what happens when like what are some of the power abilities that are in bioshock if you've ever played the game andrew oh uh, it's been a minute uh is there like telekinesis is not one of the one of the things they can do yeah like there's a charge i think i know insect swarm that'd be kind of cool Electro bolt. Yeah. Cyclone trap. Yeah, so 
what I'm thinking here is that like if you're like a non-caster class, instead of getting specific spells, you get like a specific pool of abilities that you can use for like a short duration, maybe like a minute or something. And they could be like specifically tied to like unique abilities like Cyclone Trap or Hornets apparently is one of them. I know they can shoot lightning is the other Mm -hmm. thing. So maybe there's something there where you can give them these special abilities that the specific class uses. Or like we said earlier, the whole long rest mechanic with the uh, just resetting their long rest abilities like barbarians have. Although I don't know how effective that is in most combat scenarios. But assuming you don't get a long rest at all during this one-shot adventure, which could be the case, is how you run it. You know, I think I like that. Because in the sense, like, because it's post-apocalyptic, like, it's going to be hard for people to find proper places to, to actually rest. And it actually yeah. makes you focus on, like, uh, health management and all that. So, like... It will be hard for when you're making encounters because, again, you typically balance it out so that, you know, it's going to be equally difficult as well as rewarding in a sense. But also equally difficult means that you're probably going to take a shit ton of damage. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely more mechanically heavy of a one-shot design um, and definitely a little bit more gamey for sure. In But in the same sense, like, they do have, like, a storyline that they're trying to approach, which is... They're essentially trying to break into a guy's house and steal shit, and they have a new mechanic to play with, and one of the opening mechanics to test it is just the giant rats. The giant rats show up, they attack the players, they're running away, and then suddenly, they find some M-Serum, and maybe it has a number one, or number two, or number three. Honestly, sounds like an E-Tank or something for Mega Man, but... <laughs> I mean, we could incorporate mechs into this too, if you want. <laughs> oh, shit. How would how would we incorporate? Mech? Okay, so this is what you're gonna do. You're gonna make a giant crab, right? <laughs> and in each leg, each leg has one of those serums in it. So now you have potential eight uh, eight things. So if you div- divvy it up, you can have like two per, per party member. And each of those okay, serums so- powers the leg. Okay, I love this. I I, I do love this. Sorry to cut <laughs> you off, but I do love this. So what I'm what the adventure starts off is that the players have to find serums for their giant crab mech. And they need the giant crab mech to assault this uh, safe house at the top. Maybe it's like a vault, essentially. Okay? And they want to break into the vault to get the supplies inside for themselves and maybe for some additional people that they know. And that's the goal of the story. And so it's like a two-parter. Number one, they have to collect these M serums. But if they use they can also use it on themselves to give them powers. Okay, so the way you said that, so is, are they supposed to, so they already have the machine? Yes. Okay, okay, because I was thinking, like, you start off with a bunch of rats, and then during combat, either you roll some shit, and then you see them all scatter, and then because of that, it's because they sense a giant fucking mech or vibrations from, you know, because there's a giant thing coming their way, or it doesn't have to be giant, but, and then now you have that encounter, so if you guys win it in a way where you don't destroy it, then you can use it. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. So, I can see how that works, too. Because this way, you kind of, like, let them always use the serum at least once. And then they have the opportunity to get, like, a huge buff that uses the serum. And it gives, like, the non-caster classes a place to put the serum, too. Where it's like, oh, if you use it on this giant battle mech crab, guess what? It kicks ass. And you could probably just use, like, a golem stat block and reskin it for crab. But at least this way, because it, if it originally belonged to the the rich-ass guy, you know, it would make sense because he has all the fucking resources. That's why he has all that stuff. Whereas, how do you explain to them, like, this is a giant mech, here you go, enjoy. <laughs> exactly. Now, the first encounter is a bunch of rats. It's a classic fight just to teach them how to use the new mechanic, which is the M serum for the casters, and then also for possibly the martial classes if you need to after that after that fight or partway through that fight you can do an interjection just to like help you manage time too for any adventure is the crab appears and then they have to fight this mech crab that just kind of showed up out of nowhere and then once they beat the mech crab if they don't destroy it outright or possibly if you want to make it so that they can use like a tink uh, an investigation check or an arcane check on how the crab works they can discover that it runs off of this magic serum and if you collect a certain amount of them 
the crab will be able to walk. We'll say eight because crabs have eight legs, right? I think that works because then usually if you run a party of two, of uh, four, then each person can potentially have two. Ooh, what if it's different levels of like? What if it's like eight levels is what it means for each leg? And then so if you get like you maybe get a level three spell slot one, but also a bunch of level ones and level twos. So if it adds together, it could be level eight, and then they can use it. So now we're incorporating math into this. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, math. Hear that? Here's some math for you guys. Well, I guess they're already doing that playing D and D, right? <laughs> they better be, otherwise, I, I mean, to be fair, D and D Beyond exists, but no, they better be able to add. I hope you can add seventh graders. Can seventh graders add? This is like a long running question, and I don't know. Can like, or not seventh graders? Can seven year olds add? I'm Asian, bro. I took algebra when I was seven, so. To me, the answer is yes. I was in Kumon for seven years. I was already doing fractions by the time you were doing additions. You know not what I've seen, boy. <laughs> X was not just multiplication to me when I was seven. It was a variable. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. All the variables in the world. Oh, my God. That is nightmare fuel, though. But yeah, so, I mean, that, that, that's a pretty cool mechanic that we could uh, incorporate to either help the players or make it so that they have to think more <laughs> yeah for sure like the nice mech suit option that they can wear all together as a team like a giant megazord kind of thing <laughs> would be pretty sick and you could probably equip it with like flamethrowers and other uh fun little abilities maybe a slow beam or any mm -hmm. magical abilities that you can think of i guess you could do like if you were to look at the other cantrips of other classes you could maybe incorporate some of those as like abilities that the mech can use yeah and then depending on how many people are piloting it maybe it has more actions Ooh, to take per turn okay okay, okay. so that'll help and because there's more people working on it but how does that work for turn-based mechanics so like obviously you roll initiative are you guys like share okay so the people that's in it are you guys like taking the average initiative role kind of thing to so that you guys all take turns at the same time because like it's kind of hard when one person commands something unless you guys have different functions on said mech. Yeah, now I'm thinking of like the uh, descent into Vernus, like mm -hmm. hell machines that exist. I think you could probably use that mechanic where like maybe one person's the driver and then the other two people man okay. the weapons. And if you want, you can break up initiative. For me, I'd probably just make them all go at the same time just so my I have less of a headache. But right, right. But do you do you, do you take the highest initiative in order to do that, or do you take the average initiative in order to do that? You probably just take the highest. Okay. For me, like again, like I usually lean towards like my players to make it easier for them or easier for you, so you don't have to do the math to average them out. <laughs> exactly. Honestly, just easier for me because at the end of the day, like. Does this matter, and does it help the players like feel the sense of the game? It does, but if you're running on low on time, just take the, the okay, highest okay. initiative roll and just go. And if they're all rolling, like four players rolling, they essentially have super advantage because it's four different people rolling. Four nat 20s. <laughs> or you could just make the person who's the driver do it. I think that's oh, also that's mechanically reasonable. And they set the initiative because they're the one controlling the car, and everyone else is just manning all the guns and the side equipment. Ooh, but... Then is it fun for the driver because all they can fucking do is move said crab with no additional turn-based mechanics? So, like, what are they going to do with their action then? Yeah, so this is where I, I would reference the Hell Machines from, like, Descent to Avernus, or I forgot the exact names, but the way it works is, like, they have special, like, driver actions that they can take, like, da they can do, like, dodge actions and stuff, or, like, maneuvers that allows them to, like, evade certain attacks or crash into certain things. So they still have things they can do, but it's just limited to what the vehicle provides, and it no longer becomes class-based, which might be an option here, depending on how far we want to design it. Because at this point, I'm thinking, like, adventure-wise, they fought the rats, they got the crab, they're using the crab to assault this, like, vault on the hill... They're attacking the vault, which has a lot of defense systems, and they're using the crab to break through the vault, and once inside, they have to fight individually as, like... Okay, okay, okay. So it's, it's kind of like that Final Fantasy VII tower thing where you're just trying to figure out the best way to uh, uh, either block or prevent uh, new forces to come down and you to get to your, your destination. Exactly. So, like, story-wise, it's like your party is assaulting the vault on a hill. They destroy all the security systems and cameras and guns and smash into the vault lodging the crab between a section of the defense droids that exist and then the entrance deeper into the vault 
and that's maybe like where your characters are now like oh time to dungeon crawl through the vault and find these supplies <laughs> okay you know i like that I'm, I'm like envisioning like there's people at the top uh, just either with like a wand of fireballs and just like constantly casting and just a rain of fireballs going to them <laughs> i'm just imagining little dummy puppets like just firing like they had, like you know like in disneyland like they have those like small world after all rides and it's like it's like automated arm movements and there's like casting fireballs at you and you're like oh, oh shit. my god <laughs> yeah no that, that would work no for sure uh that would be oh, okay but here's here's the other thing if you've ever actually been on that ride there are some of those dolls that are hella creepy like they have like dark black eyes and just staring into your depths of your soul oh yeah hell yeah for sure like I, <laughs> as a kid like i remember being on that ride and i was like what the fuck is going on here this is nightmare fuel like it is like Chucky, but like surrounding you, and you're like, <laughs> okay. So, so Daniel has a fear of dolls. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I have a fear okay. of a lot of things: dolls, deep waters, and confrontation. And confrontation. Okay, fair enough. Okay. <laughs> that's why I don't work in customer service anymore. Well, I mean, I think that's just a lot of us. Not necessarily fears, more along the lines of a. Uh... I think after working customer service, everyone has a fear of confrontation. I, I think people just take less confrontation because of it. They just take they take a lot less bullshit. Very true. But on that same note, our players are about to confront the rest of the vault dwellers here. Which maybe there's not like a bunch of like people living inside. Because I would feel bad for making the players just like, "Yep, you broke into a vault. Time to kill everyone inside and take their stuff." Because that's kind of gruesome <laughs> i mean okay here's the other thing too because again if you have like a rogue in your party too right they don't mm -hmm. necessarily have to be in the machine but they can find their way going in maybe if you were to incorporate like hostages or anything like that then you could use that as a mechanic so you don't blow up the entire state oh for sure like there's could be there's definitely a stealth option that exists here where they can sneak past all the guns if that's the direction the players want to go. Also, does this crab mech have an autopilot feature? It could. Maybe, like, you eject out of the crab and use the autopilot, like, because it can't fit through the door, and yeah. that's the <laughs> bullshit reason. And then it's, like, standing back fighting all the droids while holding off, while holding them back, which could Ooh. set a time limit for your characters. Ooh, yes. Okay. If you have four party members that are all in said mech, one person's controlling it, two people handle each arm or like a like main claw right yeah exactly and then your magic person is the one that's able to use any said cantrip in the so that sure. that gives them the benefit of using still using spells yeah no that's a fun mechanical idea i i'm more and more seeing this less as like a golem modification and more of like the descendant of Vernus hell machine modification <laughs> which would be really cool to play with yeah definitely look into those um for anyone thinking about running this adventure it might be a great pivot point and it would make sense lore-wise, like, why something like that might exist. They probably don't need to take soul coins that, like, use the condensed soul energy of the damned, but... But that's what the that's what the, the vials of, you know, the end vials are for. True, true. It's magic's... Con it's condensed magic yeah. serum could be for that. Okay. So once they break into the vault, I, my thought is that to make the story a little bit more heroic is that maybe the vault overseer has gone insane. He's gone mad and... He's hoarded all the food. If you want to make it gruesome, maybe he's killed all the other vault dwellers in here. Or he's possibly done some crazy experiments on the people here. And he's kidnapping, like, the local people that exist outside in the apocalypse world. Or maybe he just, like, sealed himself off. He doesn't want to share his food because he doesn't want to go outside. I don't know. There's, like, a lot of... <laughs> he doesn't want to go outside. <laughs> yeah, he just doesn't want to go outside. He's like, I don't want to go outside. The outside sucks. Which, to be fair, it is the apocalypse, so it does very much suck. I'm trying to think of like what motivations for the overseer that we can give for the dungeon master to role role play. I mean, survival is a pretty good one. I think that's like a base reality. If it's in the apocalypse world, they just well, want to survive. True, but they 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 they've gone to the point of hoarding all those resources to begin with. They don't want to get to the point of wanting to share. Yeah. You know, otherwise they would have already done so. Yeah, and we could even say that like like in the Fallout vaults overseer actually has like maybe like a water filtration system that keeps it clean and can be used to like help tons of people in the local area but he's just like nah man it's my water it's my water filter and <laughs> like an ro system yep like an ro system <laughs> and that's a callback everybody good improv skills andrew you're learning you're learning cool i love it 
Yeah, there is an RO system that they have. <laughs> clean water. Yeah, he has clean water, and it's soft, too, so it doesn't hurt the skin or damage your pipes. Because of that, like, that's what your players are after. But his reason is he doesn't want to share it, and he doesn't want to go outside because it's dangerous. Those are solid reasons, but I feel like we need some kind of quirk for this overseer to make him unique. Because otherwise, he's just like, I'm a bad guy, and I don't like sharing water. I'm like, that's that's a little dull for me if I was running it as a DM. Okay, so then as a DM, how would you want to play this out? What do you want to give him like an actual background reason why? Or do you just like like a quirk of his that's causing him to be like, oh, no, don't take my shit. Yeah, I think he should have like a fun quirk and maybe like a very shitty accent. Maybe he has a very crappy French accent for some reason. Oh, we oui, wee. Oui. Oh, because it's the crap. Okay, sorry. Yeah, sorry. because of the crap. <laughs> yeah, but um, what's a fun quirk for this guy? Maybe you could go with the tragic backstory that all of his children were like killed by outsiders so he sealed off the vault from the rest of the world or he believes that the water if shared with the rest of the world could lead to maybe he's just super stingy he could just be super stingy i'm trying to think there's got to be a fun quirk reason for why he does what he does let's let's try bringing this back so essentially he has currently hoarded all said resources and given area and he doesn't want to share and we're trying to figure out why you have to teach him the value of sharing and now it's a children's game for seven-year-olds Ooh, okay okay all right (laughs) so bring the teletubbies bring in (laughs) this is why sharing is good overseer or you could just kill him i guess like technically you could just kill him but it would be nice to have like him show up on a big monitor and be like what are you doing in my lab or my vault i need the water for cleaning my shoes or something stupid oh no no that's how that's how he's getting his power because it's all a uh, hydro powered oh cool oh maybe that's it yeah maybe he uses it to run old videos like he uses all the hydropower which the water could be used for the citizens of the nearby town and like may or like shelters or nomads so they could have fresh clean water but he uses the hydropower to power like videos that he likes to watch. And he just is like a huge weeb and loves anime. And maybe he's just like an in- like a very heavy introvert and refuses to go outside. And that's how he stays sane. Oh, okay, 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 okay. So it's more just uh, the the weebish uh, mentality. So, okay. I, I feel bad for just no, making no, no, him an insult. No, 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 that's what, oh, okay, fair enough. <laughs> but I mean, we haven't, we haven't run one of those in a while, so that's fine. <laughs> Yeah, wait, what were you going to say? Sorry. <clears throat> I told him. Uh, no, I was going to say, like, or that, or, like, uh, he needs to finish his video games. So in order for him to be able to play uh, said video games, he needs the power to so that he can uh, obviously see what happens next in, in the plot line. Oh, my God. That'd be really funny that he's just playing Fallout 3, and he's trying yeah, to beat it, exactly. and he can't because... <laughs> He's, he needs the power to beat it, and maybe he's just stuck on a boss, and he just goes really slow. He's like, I need to explore every edge of the map. I don't have game facts anymore. The guides aren't working. Exactly. Or because of the fact he's gone to this point, then he needs to know what he needs to do in that current society because now he's playing the game that oh. is kind of related. So, like, okay, so I, I foresee that this is going to happen because this is what happened in Fallout. And now I need to make sure I can prepare myself for this. Yeah, he's using the video game Fallout as a guide for how he approaches interacting with the world that has gone through an apocalypse. That's actually pretty wild. Okay, okay. <laughs> that's definitely something we could use. I, I like that. So that that's maybe his reason. So like, yeah. whenever he, like, if you're role-playing him as a DM, whenever he's like, oh, wait, one second, I need to see what I have to say. <laughs> and he pulls up, like, a text dialogue, and he's, like, literally acting <laughs> as the villain in Fallout. Okay. That's actually really funny. And then he gives you three options to select. Yep. He's like, that doesn't follow the prompt. Nope. No, you're, you're not following the prompt. You have to follow the prompts or else I, we can't progress this game. You have to select the right choices, sir. You have to pick one of them. And it's like, that's part of the game. And maybe you can have like a combat encounter. Maybe the rogue can stealth up behind him and take him out if you want to go that route. But I think at this point, like with the rats, the crab encounter, the security system defense that exists here as well. That would probably be enough to run a full one-shot adventure within a four-hour time slot. And at the end, what the players succeed in doing is bringing water back to, like, the local area. Or maybe they become warlords and they're like, now it's Waterworld <laughs> or something. Um, I guess, I mean, Waterworld is in itself an apocalyptic 
Right. Waterworld is the exact opposite of what I'm describing <laughs> right now. You're correct. Waterworld is about having too much water everywhere that you can't drink. You are right. Okay. I am sorry. I am very bad at my references today. Okay, okay. I, I, I see what we're getting here. Do you think there's anything else we need to add to this one shot or we're missing that you want to see flushed out? Um, I mean, we have initial encounter. We have background story of the mechanics of the game, or of the world, essentially, with the M-Biles. I guess if we want to explain it to players of how said M-Biles come to existence, but I don't know if that's actually needed for a one-shot, maybe in a full-fledged campaign, and then they can, like, go deeper into, like, how these were already made or how sure. these came to being kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I guess, uh, how do they find out that this man, this French person, this wee-wee has uh, all the resources? Is it just because of the fact that they can see his mansion at the top of a hill kind of thing? Or, like, how, how, do, how do the players know to go to set, set place? I think the way you would explain that is, uh, now I'm just picturing, like, a vault on the top of the hill, but it could be a mansion still, too. Either one works. A vault works. Yeah. A bunker. Yeah, a bunker. What they see, though is like possibly like piping and then like little bits of water dripping out and they're like oh there's probably more water inside and that's how you cue them in and you could also do it in the zero session or pre one shot and just be like hey you know that there's water here someone had tipped you off that there's going to be clean water here but they never got it or you could just say like oh your father or your friend went up there to go like search for supplies and never came back and that's part of your adventure and you know that you're in need of water so okay. that could be like how you tip them off to you have to go there so, okay, what stops a player if they were to see the pipe, right, that you see that's dripping water to lead them there? What stops them from just bursting the pipe and getting clean water? I think there's not, like, it's more of, like, a drainage system is, like, probably how you describe it. And, like, even if, like, you could let them burst the pipe, but they probably wouldn't find any more water coming out of it. Okay, so it's a, it's a exhaust. Exactly. It is an exhaust. Uh, it's removing some extra water that cues them in that there's more water. I'm not a plumber. I don't know how pipes work but the concept is probably there somewhere if you're a plumber you can email us at one shot at a time cast at gmail.com and tell us how wrong we are with ro systems and maybe you can help andrew out with his ro system in the future i mean true but at the same time i guess exhaust is not the best word because i think exhaust is primarily for like fumes and like air particles i don't know if that works in the same capacity as like oh fuck it whatever <laughs> we're exhausted this, about this, this conversation this is, fuck it. this is not pokemon okay i don't know every <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, we'll do a Pokemon water pipeline-based thing in the future. Oh, okay, so now, now, okay, that gives me better, you know. Yeah, maybe they just have, like, a squirrel tied up, and maybe that's how this story ends. <laughs> oh, it's no, like, that sounds so bad. Yeah, he's the water-producing filter, and you're, like, barfing up water. Have you thought about that? Like, Squirtle literally just barfs water at you, and that's how he attacks you. And you're like, ow, stop it. But that means infinite water supply. Yeah, but is it clean? It's coming out of a weird turtle's stomach well, that's what the ro system's for oh okay yeah there you go yeah if you want to incorporate pokemon at the very end there you go squirtle is the ro system or attached to an ro system which is very depressing actually yeah animal cruelty not fun guys yeah please don't do it i think that's everything here i don't think there's anything i'm feel like we're missing no i think that kind of works there's not too many npcs there's not a lot of role playing but yeah i mean you can make it that way like when you if you wanted to, as a way, as a means to like explain how the machinery works, essentially, is uh, with the the robot. Like when it's unmanned, it maybe has like a not AI, but it has like uh, some system in there that kind of gives players information too about like how the shit works, kind of thing. Yeah. That way, if, if they go into it, you don't need a fucking uh, what am I thinking of? You open a side compartment, and a big ass manual just pops out. Yeah. Just like a Honda Odyssey level like size manual. Like here's how you use the automatic doors. And yes. Yes. Here's how you whip out the dropout TVs and your cup. This holders. is where all the yeah exactly. I was gonna say is like that's where all the cup holders are in the in said vehicle. Why are there so many cup holders? No. <laughs> like you're like fire missiles. Why does missiles release more cup holders? <laughs> you hit the wrong button. You keep hitting the wrong button. No, it says missiles. Missiles does not equate cup holders. <laughs> I think that'd be great. But yeah, I think that's our one-shot adventure that we made based off of Y2K, sort of. It kind of turned out right. How close did you think we followed the prompt this time, Andrew? 
Uh, I think it went more into Fallout, but it works out because that's where the motivation came from. Y2K. All right. Good enough. Good enough. I'm down. Like, and overall, like, does this sound like a fun one shot you'd want to play in? Oh, for sure. I mean, but I, I would play almost any one shot. <laughs> just let me play, man. Just I just like play. being a player. Just give me the dice. I'm going to roll. Okay. Just tell me what they do. <laughs> yeah. Let me use my special meteor dice and destroy yeah, your table yeah, yeah, yeah. while you're at it okay i mean true true my dice are pretty heavy but they work <laughs> they're pretty cool too <laughs> they hit those nat 20s when you need it they come in clutch i feel exactly. it i feel it yeah. all right um then closing us out uh my name is daniel your forever dm i'm joined by andrew hello bye bye i mean i guess it's bye <laughs> yeah this is probably a bye honestly andrew but uh i mean you'll be back next week and we'll be back next week same time 6 a.m eastern time tuesday as always thank you for tuning into one shot at a time you can tweet us at one shot at a time on twitter or you can email us at one shot at a time cast at gmail.com we will be at tyocon i say we i'll be at tyocon on saturday uh doing a panel teaching people how to do one shot adventures in arizona so if you're there please come by and say hi and let me know you listen and honestly if anyone comes up and tells me you listen, I would be very happy. So, just saying. No worries, Daniel. I'll, I'll text you. I'll be I'll be there in spirit. Thanks, man. I know you. you after your RO system, you're probably gonna be have to like set up your vault around it to keep you protected. No, it's because I can spend all that time making my uh, crab mag. Oh God, dude! If you make a crab mag, that'd be dope. <laughs> I will totally run the guns. Yeah. <laughs> but outside of that, as always, please leave us a five star review on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen. It really helps us out a lot. Really boosts our algorithm. You know, all the metric-y stuff that we all have to ask for that you see on every YouTube video. And lastly, please tell your friends about this podcast. If they like Dungeons & Dragons or just two guys coming up with ideas, let them know. Maybe they'll listen to our podcast, and then we'll have another person that listens to our podcast. And more word of mouth happens. And we really appreciate it, because we don't spend any money to advertise. We don't spend any money at all. Well, I guess I spend money on power. Anyways, which this world probably doesn't have enough. Grim. Thank you all for listening. Have a great rest of your day. Bye-bye. Bye.